Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, episode 43 of us spouting sycophantic subservient silliness such as suggesting the certain success of City's latest signing in Melvin City. I'm Tom and I'm joined as ever by ACN founders Andy Lorne. Hey Roy. John Punt. Hey, evening. And making his ACN debut, Adam Branders, South American football analyst and an essential follow on Norwich City Twitter. Hi guys, pleasure to be here. We're going to chat about our glorious cup run, a chink of light in the survival bid courtesy of hammering Bournemouth 1-0 and look ahead to a now or never run of games that will determine whether or not it's all over within a few weeks or if we can keep it alive to the end. Let's start with that game against Bournemouth. 1-0, two red cards and Punt's least favourite manager in football. So let's relive that. Punt, did you enjoy seeing your mate Eddie? I don't even really notice him, to be honest with you. I mean, it strikes me that they are in an awful lot of trouble. They, they just looked so blunt as a force. I think it's, it's chickens coming home to roost. They've signed some really dreadful players. Um, they've got some decent you know, kind of squad players there, but I don't know, they just look really, really poor, like a team that almost like a lot of Premier League teams that have kind of done it for three or four seasons, and then they don't really know where to go from there. Um, and it just looks a bit rudderless. So, yeah, that was lovely. What about you, Lorne? Did you, did you make it or were you on one of your holidays? I was on one of my many holidays for my birthday, so I did not make it. And I completely forgot that Punt hates Eddie Howe. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember how that came about. But um, I remember I, I just re- suddenly recalled as I was preparing for uh, this evening's chat chat that, um, that you have a, a, you know, a really odd hatred of him considering he's, he's such a kind of vanilla manager. Just remind us, why is he so awful again? I'm not saying he's awful. He's just, I think he's really overhyped. Bournemouth have had loads of money thrown at it. Um, He's never, you know, the one time that he took a gamble with his managerial career, he failed um, at Burnley. And he always looks like he needs a poo as well. So that, that kind of annoys <laughs> that's me. That's right. That I knew there was something fecal. Um, now that's awesome. So uh, I'm really, I was really, really pleased with with the way we approached the game, and I was really pleased with um, the, the way we went about it. I, I was frustrated with um, the kind of lack of trying to go and kill the game, and, and the use of substitutions has come back uh, with a vengeance as a topic. Uh, it did kind of die away a bit because we were kind of losing anyway. Um, but in games where we've been in it and in and around it or holding winning positions or uh, within a, a goal of being able to, to get something from the game, uh, I still feel that it is probably the biggest blot on uh, on Farker uh, from a what does he need to do to be a top, top coach. Uh, he still doesn't seem to sense when everyone else senses that if we could just change things, move things on a bit, give them something else to think about, um, you know, it's always using a sub to kill the other team's momentum is something that opposing coaches have done to us successfully all season as we've started to get up ahead of steam to try and come back from these losing positions. We've quite often had to kind of stop and look over to the touchline and the guy that's just run all the way to the corner flag is trotting off. Um, what do you think, Punt? Are you are you as uh, are you still defending him as as being as that not being an issue? Because obviously he, he, last season he kept winning, so you couldn't really complain too much. Do, do you no. think that he's got a, he's got a case to argue this year? Well, in terms of substitutions specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think it's it's a really easy stick to beat him with, and I think a lot of people do do beat him with that. There's got to be logic in it, you know. He's not it's not like it's a German thing where they make the substitutions on the 80th minute or 85th minute. I think 
the thing is with Farker, and it kind of comes from the Guardiola school of thought, he wants to tweak plan A rather than, you know, kind of throw that out of the window and, and go plan B. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, if, if you're throwing someone like Marco Stiefman on with three minutes to go and expecting him to, to kind of miraculously pull around some kind of result, then that's going to be difficult. Same with Hernandez. He probably needs, um, you know, at least 10 minutes to play his way into the game before he's he's going to be massively effective. Um, but I think the, the criticisms that were levelled at him previously sometimes actually weren't necessarily the timing of his substitutions, but the nature of his substitutions. And I think sometimes there's a there's a little bit of disparity about, oh, you've, you know, you've got to throw on an attacker to, you know, to change the game. You don't. Sometimes you have to change shape, which means no change in personnel. Sometimes you have to go a little bit more direct. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to change um, the players on the pitch, but you can change the way in which you're playing. So I don't think it's as binary as he's not making the subs on the 65th minute or the 70th minute, and you know, and that's not good enough. I just think I don't, it, it seems to me it's more about his ability to react in game to what's going on rather than the personnel on the pitch. And I think he can probably have a bit more of an influence in that respect. Well, Adam, from a cultural point of view, Punt mentioned uh, German culture. What about in South America? Um, is it, are we, would I be calmer over there? Would I see my, my manager making substitutions at half time when things aren't going as a, as a matter of course? Well, culture wise here, the, the managers don't last very long at all. Um, Basically, everybody's Tom. Yeah, <laughs> basically everybody is you here, Tom, and um, and yeah, patience, patience is very thin on the ground. Um, I've, I've sometimes had arguments with people here in 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 stadiums about giving sort of managers more time to implement their ideas, and and you know, people will just look at me like I'm a madman. Uh, like if you know if, they, if the results aren't instant, then yeah, people usually don't really want to know. Um, I think the I think the substitution thing with with Farker, there is some really odd ones like Steeperman coming on in the ninety third minute. I think it was away to Spurs. Uh, yeah, that that was just pointless. Uh, but I actually thought he had done the right thing in that game by not changing it because we were on top for most of that second half. And I, and I didn't think there, there was any need to change it. I saw some criticism after the game saying, ah, oh, you know, you should have maybe capitalized on, on our dominance in, in that second half and maybe put Hernandez on to give him something to think about. But I, I think that's uh, easy to say in hindsight. Um, at the time, it felt like we were the ones who were going to get the winner with, with uh, those players on the pitch. I think that's a, I think that's a fair point, and mine is mine is less about changing it to bring someone better or even necessarily different on. It is far more about trying to change the momentum or halt the opposition's momentum or changing the pattern of the game. Um, it seems so obvious that a goal is coming just before it does. So often with Norwich, um, and what what I, I I I agree. Whilst I wasn't at the Spurs game, following the the coverage of it, it very much did seem this is one of the better performances of the season. We genuinely do seem to be in control. Here. Here. Um, and if anyone's going to score the next goal, it's going to be us. Um, that that would not be an example of me kind of screaming uh, to, to to make a sub. It, it's far more when things are clearly have started to stagnate. You know, it's the game's in the balance, or even worse, the other team are really starting to get the upper hand. That that's when I feel we need to change something. I believe that 
he is hamstrung by not being able to change things from the bench by having players who are he hasn't got enough Premier League players to to really make a difference. Um, in the Championship, he had a bunch yeah. of very very good championship players where you're replacing a good championship player with another good championship player here you're replacing someone who if he's on his day and everything goes well can cut it in the premier league with a player who maybe has to have one of the best games of his life to be able to cut it in the premier league you know in a lot of cases one question um because a couple of times you've sort of mentioned that it seems really obvious that a substitution has to be made or that they're going to score we need to do something what what makes you think that if it's so obvious like, what is it about Farker that you think he can't see something that is really obvious to you? I, I believe that it is. Uh, last season, I believe that it was due to the analytics telling him that he shouldn't. Um, because last season, uh, I started out thinking it was pig-headedness because he used to do it in the first season when he wasn't getting good results. Second season, we were constantly getting these late equalisers, late winners. Is someone playing snooker in the background? In, in some, in no, it's the, wife, it's the wife getting a drink for um, for the young, for the eldest, okay. who seems to be kicking off upstairs at the moment for some unbeknown reason. Well, well, well we... We appreciate Mrs. Punt uh, with her billiard slippers um, going over and getting her uh, getting her a drink. Um, I'm yeah, watching it, snooker in the background. It's just it's on mute. Oh, okay. Well, well see, there, there you go, uh, listeners. You've you've got a real insight into everything. I've got a sleeping dog next to me. Would you like to add some colour as well, Adam? Uh, well, I'm, I'm laying in bed after falling off a wall yesterday, so um, <laughs> yeah, can't, can't okay. move much. Now let's can't leave it at that. Yeah, can't why were you, why were you on a wall, and more importantly, why did you fall off? No, let's save that for the outtakes. <laughs> I uh, I basically I saw my wife sitting on the wall, and she was in the shade. It's very hot at the moment here in uh, Santiago, and I thought, oh okay, I think I'll sit over there with her. I went to sit down. I had my dog in one hand, a boxer dog, and as I went to sit down, she pulled on the lead made me lose my balance and I tumbled over the wall like Humpty Dumpty and uh, had a great fall and uh, yeah and I've damaged the I'm not sure exactly what I've damaged but certainly I'm in agony when I when I move my lower back in any direction so well we appreciate yeah. you coming to us from your sick base so what uh, why do you live in Santiago with a wife and a boxer um, well, I moved. I moved to South America about ten years ago now. Um, after just really loving the culture over here, whilst I was travelling, and uh, and yeah, I, I met my wife about eight eight and a half years ago now. I think it is, and um, and yeah, and we've got a son, we've got a dog, we've got a cat, and yeah. So it's. I uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I don't want to um, do like a spoiler alert in terms of uh, listener questions coming in later, but obviously you have been an Norwich fan for long before you went to Santiago and you came back at Christmas. How different is it now compared to when you were last here regularly? How different is what? The country? Well, the, no, the football and Tower <laughs> Road as a whole. Like, the country. Yeah, <laughs> let's avoid that. <laughs> All right, so yeah, well, this is basically a question which was asked now on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but it's there. I don't know who it was, but it's a great question, so I'm going to steal it from mine. You've yeah, stolen, you've stolen it from Theon, essentially. Theon, yeah. 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 Well, I'm Theon. 
Yeah, well, I, I, I went with my wife and uh, son to the Wolves game, um, but they've actually both been, they had both been to Carrow Road a couple of times before that when we got relegated in 2000. I was I was back just in time to see us relegated, which was uh, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, my my son was only 16 months old then, so he couldn't really appreciate it, obviously. Um, but this time, yeah, he really loved it especially like going in the club shop. He wanted pretty much everything in the club shop from a big foam hand to a penguin with a Norwich scarf around it. So does uh, he follow, he follows, he follow uh, the Canaries with you then? Cause that you've got, yeah. you know, you've got such a, a amazing rich culture of football and so many clubs to kind of choose from. Is he kind of, uh, is he bouncing around from club to club or is he, is he pretty much uh, a solid Norwich fan? No, if if you ask him who he supports here, say Arica and Norwich, Arica is our team here in Chile. I think I'll probably speak a bit more about them later. But um, yeah, he he really loved the Cara Park experience before the game. Um, you know, kick, kicking the ball around with like kids a similar age to him. He's five now, so. Um, yeah, and I I found like what you guys have done and the Barclay M project have done in the ground is great. It's, you know, the colour looked amazing. We were actually in the upper Barclay for the Wolves game, so we did miss out on that a little bit because you haven't got much of a view there of it. But it did look superb against Spurs uh, a week later. I, I did find still that the noise levels were slightly disappointing in both games, mm. if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, very few around me were singing at either game, even when we were winning. You know, when we played amazing football in that first half against Wolves, you know, I couldn't believe my luck, to be honest, in, uh, by half time of that game. I was like, this is one of the best Norwich performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Wendia was, was, was incredible. And um, and I was saying to my wife, you know, we've been pretty lucky here to see this performance. Um and then obviously it kind of went wrong in that in that last half an hour. But I know and that's why she speechless. pushed you off a wall. Um, <laughs> so I think you pick you pick up on an interesting point there. You know, you you, you mentioned yeah you know, one of the greatest Norwich performances of the season. I think it was a um, we, we were thrown a bone by by Danny Murphy. I think it was the FA Cup game potentially FA Cup match of the day. Said that we you know with with the, with the prettiest playing. Um, uh, bottom of the table table side he's ever seen and um, I, I don't actually think it is hyperbole to say that some of the stuff we've played in patches in this premier league season is comfortably up there from a technical ability style of play speed of of, of thought and movement it's comfortably up there with anything we've ever done in, in a premier in a premier league season yeah. um, and, and whilst there's two or three players who are better than what we've got now that you know, if we could only add them from the previous seasons in the Premier League, we would be, you know, in a much different position, and those fine margins wouldn't keep biting us on the backside. Um, you, you do have to. I, I think that is that is why um, Farker is is not seeing seeing the malcontent that so many managers would get at bottom of the league, irrelevant of, of taking us to the, to the title last year. There are a lot of managers at a lot of clubs who, if you're bottom and, and, it, and it looked this bleak, would be getting a lot more grief than he is. And, and I think it is because so much of the football we're playing in the portions of the game where we're still either in it or within one goal is actually really good to watch. It's been a really surprising season, I think, in in that regard and, that, and a really frustrating season in the same time. As, so Adam mentioned the Wolves' first half. 
if you ask me to pick out the three games where I think we've played best in patches this season, I probably wouldn't pick the Wolves first half just because that has kind of been not necessarily the norm, but we've done that a few times. I remember coming out of the game against Newcastle early on in the season and thinking, I've never seen Norwich play that well before. I genuinely think that's the best I've ever seen a Norwich team play. And within uh, a couple of weeks, we played even better against Man City. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. That the best two performances I've ever seen have come in the same season. And then we did the same again when we played, I think, Sheffield United at home in that first half mm. there. I remember thinking, this is even better than Man City. Like, I think it's really odd because we're bottom of the league and it's it's bleak. But this has been one of the seasons of the best performances I can remember from Norwich teams. That Chelsea, that Chelsea first half, we were we were electric. Like you know, that when we were going blow for blow with them, you know, yeah, we score, went toe to toe. Yeah, and it yeah. was quite disappointing in the second half. We couldn't keep that up. No, and and but that you know after that first kind of ten fifteen minutes we were a bit too respectful. You know I think it was Toddy scored his 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 goal first and I pull it back. Um, from that moment on, I mean I mean the football leading up to that was just exquisite. Um, and just we we would we would uh, again you, you mentioned the city performance. I think Emmy in that city game, uh, you know some of the some of the the twists and turns um, that were that were that were in the build ups to some of those goals. Um, that is one of the greatest solo performances in, in a Norwich shirt in the Premier League, um, and and I I don't think we've we've hit a complete performance like like the Man City one all season. Although having said that, we got two huge slices of luck with Sterling and Aguero missing chances that they score ninety nine times out of a hundred, um, and otherwise we could have well gone in at kind of three two or four two down at half time. Um, it was. Uh, it, it kind of comes down to this fine, fine margin element that we, as a squad and a depth of squad based on our budget, just can't afford to be on the wrong side of luck, and we can't afford to be on the wrong side of fine margins. And I think there's something Lorne might have mentioned to us not long ago. Um, I think you might have mentioned it to me um, not long ago. Maybe we actually did use up all of our luck on. You know, we needed so much luck to beat City. You know, we needed so much to to get a couple of those really great performances. Maybe we have actually used it all. We would have been better off having a little bit of luck to beat a couple of the crapper teams, and we could have had that same amount of luck in that City mm. game and got three wins against Villa, Southampton, and someone else. Oh, absolutely. I think there's been a number of games this season, and that's the point of fine margins, isn't it? It's when they all go against you. That's when you find yourself bottom of the league. But I'm sure all of us could name six, seven, eight, nine, ten examples of things where like if Byram had scored in that last minute against Southampton, if Byram again had scored when it was nil-nil against Villa away. So like we're going down because of Byram. <laughs> essentially, yeah, because Byram can't score. But We would yeah, have a lot more points if Sam Byram could shoot straight. That, that is there are so but... many examples of that. that yeah, yeah. Are, like It would have been a six-point swing had Byram scored at nil-nil against Villa. And would be one point from, well, maybe not one point from safety, but it would be a lot closer than it is now. And it comes down to one half, well, half six, five, six yards out chance where he skewed it miles over the top. Okay, well, let's let's, let's look, let's dig into it then. You know, we've we've had that. Uh, we're on an incredible cup run, um, and I, I do believe that having two victories close to each other, as we did. Um, really does give some belief to to the players and reminds them that it doesn't happen once in a blue moon. Um, I I I, be, I still believe that we are on balance likely to go down. 
but I I've been saying for ages there is this there is this run of fixtures you know um, late Feb late February early March time that that are kind ish looking kind ish looking and if we could just get a couple of things in February to mean that we're within three or four points. It's, it is doable, just about. It's, does anyone else believe a little bit more after... I know one of them was in the cup, but after those those couple of victories, does anyone else feel a little bit more confident than they did before the Bournemouth game? I've, 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 I've felt pretty optimistic um, a lot of the season. Obviously, sort of in the aftermath of, say, a 4-0 defeat against Manchester United, where, you know, that was possibly the most disappointing um, performance all season um given you know we we had a pretty strong side out that day um but yeah overall i've i've kind of remained optimistic because as lawney's already said um you know we've played some pretty good football um for a lot of the season and i've just got this nagging feeling that we're still due to go on a good run um, yeah, when Southampton lost 9-0 to Leicester, absolutely nobody would have seen them where they are now. I think they're something like just four or five points off fifth. Yeah, they're, um, not, they're, they're ninth. Yeah, um, they're, yeah. they're ninth with 31 points, so you get the feeling that they yeah. basically need three more wins for the rest of the season, and, and, and they're going to be comfy. And well, they've actually they, got that by four wins out of five, didn't they? That was mm. it wasn't it. a massive yeah. run. That, that, that's the thing. If we, if we're if we're within touching distance and we we capitalise on that kind run, then then it is just about doable. But I I, I don't think we're going to have the quality we we needed to we needed to do what none of us thought we were going to do and might not have been financially sensible to do this with this transfer window and we haven't done it which is exactly what we expected and it's probably the right thing to do but without 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 properly strengthening the squad um I, I just I don't think we I don't think we've got I enough. Think, I think we have strengthened the squad though and we like Duda looks improvement. Duda looks improvement. Yeah, he does look good. I don't know about Rupp. I think that's early days on Rupp. Um, yeah, it's early days on him, but I feel that he's offered something in mm. in each of the games he's he's played so far. I thought he was pretty impressive, really, against um, against Burnley at the weekend. So and and I think he's had a shot on target in in both of those games, for example which is more than what we were getting out of Hernandez in, in December when he went completely off the boil. Um, I mean, you look, so, at, look at Watford, for example. So so we're kind of adrift, and then the, there are three teams above us who all have... The next three teams above us all are equal on points. They're all six points ahead of us. And that includes Watford, who had their great run of three wins and a draw and a bounce, and, and, and that's only got them to second bottom. Um, well, I think that, yeah. But that's why I think you're, what you said a minute ago isn't right, in that you said... Um, we don't have the quality. We absolutely do have the quality. Like the way we've played this season, we are not in the bottom three sides in terms of quality in this division. What we are, I think, are, I think we are. As a, as a squad, defensively, I think, are. I think defensively, yeah. we're absolutely yeah. probably the bottom side in this league defensively, and, and that's our Achilles heel, our, our ability to successfully defend set pieces, um, our ability to remain organised. And some of that actually comes with the fact that we haven't had fit defenders. We haven't, you know, there's been um, injury issues at defensive midfield. There's been injury issues all over the park. But I think what you're kind of alluding to, Tom, and we talked about it on the last pod, 
it's momentum. That's exactly what Watford had to kind of springboard them up the table a little bit. That's exactly what Southampton have had. It's exactly what Sheffield United have, have kind of ridden the crest of the wave all season. They, they just carried on their momentum, whereas any momentum that we generated from last season, unfortunately, kind of the, the bubble burst um, because of the injury crisis. And that's where the fine margins come in, that, you know, you lose two, three, four, you know, five out of six. And then yeah, suddenly... It we basically a lot more had difficult. two months. We basically had two months where I feel that it was almost impossible to be competitive mm. at this level. And, yeah, and, I agree. And I kept repeating this point on Twitter. There, there are very few clubs, if any, who would have been able to survive that issue we had with no, with what one fit centre back, um, one fit defensive midfielder, and him having to play um, centre back. Instead, you know, that did we have one game where we were playing Teddy and Tribal? They finished the game, yeah. Well, weirdly, we kept a clean um, sheet that day. So, we, Bournemouth got, away, we've got, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Bournemouth had a similar injury crisis and lost four on the trot. Um, which so just goes to show, as you were saying, you know, even a team with a massive billionaire owner who pretend that they're, you know, little old Bournemouth, but actually you've got billions. Oh, he's uh, not a billionaire. I got in trouble for this, Tom, after the. Oh, yeah. I, I, put, I put another billionaire, billionaire side beaten at Cow Road after the Bournemouth game, and um, I was shot down. And, but uh, I think that's slightly by, disingenuous. By because the Russian guy who owns, I think, owns them is, you know, only, only, you know, kind of a, like, kind of got a few hundred million in the bank, but they've got significant amounts of investment from America, and I think those guys are billionaires. So to kind well, of apparent, distort the facts a little bit. Apparently, they pulled out last year. Oh, well, he, he, yeah, he, he's only so got a hundred million. This lad. Poor yeah, little my soldiers. statement might have been true about eighteen months ago, apparently, but <laughs> right. not anymore. Oh, <laughs> That's true. Everything Tom says. I was going to say, I, I, all of my statements are within eighteen months, either forwards or backwards. Correct. You know, some, so like a lot of my quiz questions within eighteen months will be proved correct. I just have to wait. For, I just have to wait for the incidents to occur to make them right. Um, cool. Okay. So uh, FA Cup, uh, Tottenham or Saints? Uh, who do we want to be uh, travelling to uh, to win one of the two games we need to get to Wembley? Well, I think the Spurs would be the ideal in terms of an away day because it's closest and would get the most tickets and it'd give everyone opportunity to go to their new stadium that didn't get them last time. I think both are winnable, but it's really annoying that it wasn't a home. Uh, It would have been, I would have really fancied our chances if it was Saints at home to progress. I'd fancied Uh, fancied Spurs at home. I'd have fancied Spurs at home. Really, really can turn them. I don't know. Over, we, but... we, I don't know. We've given we've given them two two uncomfortable games, um, and uh, one one more so than the other. Um, and I I just think the li- the likelihood of us managing to do that a third time in a row um, is unlikely. There are nothing inside like without Harry Kane. But Ericsson's gone. They're an absolute nothing side without Harry Kane at the moment. I would take most of their squad over most of ours from a straight talent swap. So I, I, they're, they're not, are they? Come on. They, they, you know, they've got top half from Premier League talent. Were. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, in comparison. But the point is that, you know, on, 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 any given, on any given Saturday, they're still at their place. And, you know, they, they had to huff and puff to beat us already. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree that of some of the teams that are left in the draw, they are fourth or fifth down in terms of who, who we'd, we'd want to face. Um, but uh, I... I uh, I think the fact that 
I think the fact that Saints are, are now almost safe um, will almost mean that they will will throw a lot more at that fixture than perhaps Tottenham will, because um, Tottenham's Tottenham's kind of position in terms of where they'll be satisfied this season um, is not anywhere near secure. Um, so therefore, I think yeah. you know on, on that sure. point of view, it might I think, be better I think time it, to I think it might depend on how much Mourinho wants uh, like a trophy in the yeah. in this first season. He he might see the FA Cup. And you know, as his best opportunity to to um, win a trophy, something Pochettino never did. Yeah, um, I think but Mourinho, yeah, I, I that's still, a really good point. Yeah, I I still favour I still favour Spurs. Um, uh, I still favour Spurs over Saints away for for the points raised by all of you. Really, I, th- I think we'd get a much better support um, away to Spurs as well. Um, cause it's midweek, isn't it? Which is a little yeah. bit of a shame because if it was a, if it was on a Saturday or Sunday, we'd definitely sell out what eight, 9,000. Yeah, think absolutely. I think huge. we possibly will anyway. Mm, if we were yeah, doing possibly. a little, if, if, if we get a win or two in the meantime, we will do. Um, I think it, if it was next week, I think we'd struggle cause it, it is, it is tricky. Like you look, go back to that Emirates, um, the, the Emirates allocation we sold out, um, uh, a couple of years ago. That was awesome, um, but we did have a bit of momentum then, um, and I think it was half term as well. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. If we, I don't know if we'd sell it out because it's big. So we can, we will be giving quite a big allocation. Um, I, should think, I, I should think they'll struggle to sell their lot. <laughs> obvious question, um, and I think probably an obvious answer. But FA Cup win or even FA Cup final and relegation or survival and out in the fifth round. Oh, it's the final every time, every yeah, day. Absolutely. Really. Final and relegation because I've done I've done everything else in football. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I agree. Definitely ta- I'd definitely take the FA Cup, winning the FA Cup over survival. Um, no, I'd take just yeah, getting I'm to the not, final. Not, I'd take just yeah, getting I'm, to the final over survival. I'm not sure I, about that. But I'm so quite like double just... heartbreak. It's double heartbreak at the end of the season. <laughs> it's simply the fact <laughs> that sure. we've never I'm been sure there. About that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like, know. A, size of, a club the size of Norwich never been in the FA Cup final. This, this, nah, season, this season in particular, but said so. Um, I'm not my sure old, where the glory is there, really. In just well, the well, final. purely personally and selfishly, which is the way I think about everything in life. Um, my old boy uh, followed the '59 Cup run and and followed followed the team, did a couple of the away legs of that. Um, and he did the semi-final. So to be able to take him to go one further to the final, even if it is then a four-nil loss to Man City, although obviously we've got previously beaten them, so they'll be they'll be frightened if it's us. Um, I, I do actually think that that, that you know abide with me um, was raised in my uh, WhatsApp boys group. Um, uh, you know the, the, those kind of moments are things that we've not done as Norwich City fans. Um, and yeah, okay. If if you lose it, yeah, of course it would be it would be disappointing. It'd be it'd be sad. Um, but I'm I'm expecting the. I wouldn't go as far as heartbreak. I'm expecting the 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 disappointment of relegation, and I have been for months anyway. So I almost feel like it, I, I would bite your hand off a FA Cup final, and and also uh, to a certain degree with this squad of players, this character, this manager. I would fancy us in a cup final. I would fancy us in a semi-final, like one-off kind of occasions um, where this isn't the league, lads. And I, and I honestly think that, that that whoever we were up against, that could be really that could be a really special day. And, we, and, we, and if, it'd be one of those things that as long as it wasn't a 4-5-0 job, you know, it wasn't one of those Watford capitulations like you know, the last season or season before they lost like six or whatever it was, 
um, you know, if we went and gave a really good account of ourselves, I almost feel that would be a fantastic send off to the season. Yeah, we've gone down, but we went all the way to the final and look, you know, you're going to miss our colour and our vibrancy and, you know, we'll be back in a couple of years. All right, Adam, ask, let's, let's ask this in a different way. So you can either have Norwich get to the cup final, but you don't know the result and we go down or survival. Yeah, if I, if I don't know the result, yeah, maybe I take my chances with that. You also oh, right. obviously, yeah, obviously, obviously I don't me, know the result. I wouldn't if take, you're I wouldn't... telling me that we're definitely going to lose. Then there's no. Yeah. Right. Well, well, no, 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 I'm just saying. It was the final, and you definitely lose. It was final, and there's a chance you win. Like, oh, I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't oh. take a guaranteed loss. See, I, I'd take a guaranteed loss. So we get to the final. Oh, that's, that's, no, that's, uh... that's, that's a step too far. That's a step too far because <laughs> I feel like it's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's a hypothetical situation and we're probably just going to lose 3 0 to Spurs anyway, but um, it would be. It, it would be magic to. I, mean, I, would, I would like to go back to Wembley again for the, for the semi. I'll tell you why I take a guaranteed loss over um, survival is because in 10 years' time, would you remember a victorious FA Cup semi final? Yes. Would you remember finishing 17th? No. And for me... Well, possibly from this position, though. You've got to Uh, remember, from this position, we're six points off survival at the moment. And it's February. And it's February. If we survive from this position, I think this it would be talked about for a long time, especially as Norwich haven't done a survival like that in my lifetime anyway. No, we've blown one that was easy. (laughs) 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 We've enabled West Brom's great escape, but not done our own. That's a good point. Yeah. No, I think I think if we were to um, if we were to stay up now, you're, you're right. It would be talked about um, in in a in sort of uh, hushed tones forever. You know, it would be especially especially considering the injuries having just come up unexpectedly the year before. The the budget and resources that that we've got compared to the other teams in the division. To survive from this point, it would go down as as a really great achievement. Well, I think it's the first time I've had my mind changed on this podcast, and I think it's the first time someone's used reason. So, okay, um, right. So, Con, um, if you if you finish moving about your kitchen, would you like to um, go ahead with some questions for uh, our esteemed uh, Chilean analyst guest? Well, we've got to find him first. Whilst, you, whilst you're finding that, John, I, I just wanted to make a couple more points on um, on the question uh, Fionn asked earlier, um, because that wasn't just about sort of my my experience. It was sort of how much of it is a departure from watching football in Chile. I've just yeah. seen. Just saying, mm. uh, I don't feel that I really answered that part of it. I, I would say that in Chile, however small the crowd is, um, they will always attempt to make some kind of noise for 90 minutes. Um, so, you know, there's no doubt that Norwich has a very loyal fan base, you know, 25, 26,000 in League One even. you there, There's probably not even one club here in Chile who would manage to get that if they went all the way down to the third tier. Um, but, you know, the, the noise which is generated here by fans is is better it's 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 extremely partisan as well in inside the stadium um 
And yeah, and at the big clubs, especially, you know, they can get 40,000 plus and, and, you know, that is a really impressive and loud atmosphere. While some of the other top division sides are only comparable to like grounds in the sixth or seventh tiers in England. So you've got quite a wide variety there. But one thing which really struck me, having watched, you know, hundreds of games here in stadiums in Chile, um, is the actual football on the pitch as well. And, and when I go back to... England watch the Premier League it's almost like a different sport how much quicker it is played at and the and the intensity and and all that so you know it's basically Europe and South America have have become split really in terms of their, their the standard of club football probably up until the early 2000s South American football was would have an argument of being on par with, with with much of Europe, but now with the globalization of football and the best players leave earlier and earlier, and the top talents barely make it out of their teens before moving across, so the standard here drops dramatically. Um, Emi Buendia, of course, is an example of this. He was scouted when he was twelve for for Real Madrid. So, yeah, it's it, it's very different in 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 a in a lot of different ways as well. Well, what a thorough and excellent answer to a very good question from Fionn, which uh, was stolen by Lorne. A bit of ACN on ACN crime there. Followed. Okay. Would you like the next question, boys? Oh, have you managed to find it on your phone? I found it. I found it. It's Mr. John. Can we have the question, Mr. John? All right. Um, First one we have is from Instagram. It doesn't have a name. So the the handle is... Yeah, we're on Instagram. A bit young for us, isn't it? Oh no! Yeah, we're, on, we're, not on we're, we're not on TikTok. Not yet. <laughs> anyway, first question: You have three tokens to use. Who do you keep? Pookie is two tokens. Emmy's two tokens. Max one. Godfrey one. Jamal Lewis one. Todd Campwell one. Wait, hang on. Eat those what, if you'd like. Two questions: One, what do these tokens look like? And two, um. What are they like Mario coins, for example? Um, two, what, no. what am they I like keep, little poker chips? What am I keeping like with yellow and green stripes around here? I can see a Ben graphic in that. Are we saying forever? Am I keeping them to go into a Premier League season? Am I keeping them the end of this window? Am I keeping them to go into a championship window? Give me the context, please. Can you, you need to take this up on Instagram with patch underscore EJ. Let's just say for the purpose. Well, that's not a this... fucking name for a start, but right. okay. <laughs> well, all right. But you can this find is a good question. Her. This is a it's, good, a question. it's a fantastic question. It's a really good it's question. It's so good. I think we should dig in and get some extra context, Mr. Punt. Right. Okay. Next season. You get to keep them for next season. What league are we in? It doesn't matter. It does. I'm it, Emmy it does. and Ben Godfrey. Okay. And, and everyone else is the same, I imagine. Um. Well, what was the final decision in the end that we keep them for a Premier League season or a Championship season? Let's say Championship. Let's be realistic. Uh, okay. Um, then I think I'd go with Wendia, although that's very unrealistic, and uh, Godfrey. Are we talking about? Um the other players all go or that basically a bit like the FA Cup thing you're guaranteeing at least you keep those the others might stay might go but you yeah, get at least the others go 
All right. If they go completely, then I'm keeping hold of Pookie. Um, because Wendy has shown that when, even when he is st- a, almost a statistical anomaly and, you know, second only to De Bruyne week after week with his incredible chance creation, don't mean we're scoring that many. Do you um, not think Pookie is slightly easier to replace than Emmy? Uh, I, I'm uh, part part of me is 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 also kind of what Adam's thinking. Like Emmy's going in the summer, um, and it would be financially silly to not sell him at this at his peak after this season. I mean, the the the, the highlights video. You know, what, why risk him getting injured or not having as good a first half to next season? Like his value surely is never going to be higher. Um, you know, look what we did with the Murphys. We sold at exactly the right time. And Madison is, you know, is going to go for even more when he moves on. But most of the time, you, you've got to realise when, when they're at their height like that, you have to sell them on. I just feel that it doesn't matter what league we're in next season, Pookie's going to bang us in goals. Um, yeah. I think Godfrey's going to be off as soon as he gets the opportunity to, as much as I'd really, really like him to stay. Who are the other one tokens? So you've got Max on one token, Ben Godfrey on one, Jamal Lewis on one, and Todd Cantwell on one. I'd keep Todd Cantwell. Yeah. I, I, think, I don't I think, think I've ever think, said this before, but I agree with you, Tom. Of all of those, every time you agree with me, you make a point of saying, I don't think I've never said this before. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't I seldom know. say this. I agree with you. Okay. And somewhere um, a unicorn dies. With, with, Campwell, <laughs> uh, with Campwell, I think of those one token players, he's got another gear he could find. Um, he, he's, I feel that um, he's got another year. He, he's also, of those one token players, he's the youngest in his career. Um, you know, because he didn't get anything like the game time the others got last season. So he's so played... He's played fewer games than that lot. So I actually think he could have a whole nother, similar to Emmy going up a gear this year, I think he could kick on even, even more than he has and become a real asset. And him and Puki in the championship, I'd be very, very confident of, of, of being in the top two or three. For me, your logic about uh, Emmy completely applies to Todd Cantwell in terms of, I don't think, he, I think he's kind of at his peak and no one expected him to do as well this season in terms of goal return, as he has done. So, Well, I, I only point to what I said about thinking... Yeah, I, 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 my only thing with him is I think that this time next year, he might be worth even more, like Madison. I don't think he will. I genuinely yeah, so I, I, I think Campbell's more of Murphy. I, I, yeah, I think Todd's still got to prove it over a, a more elongated period of time. The reason I'd, I'd probably stick with, um, with Pookie and, and Campbell is... And you, you kind of said, Lornie, he'd be a lot easier to replace, um, you know, in, in terms of Timu. I don't think he would. When no, was the last no. time we had a, a, you know, 29 goal a season striker in the championship? Essentially, him and Emmy were the reasons we went up. And Cantwell wasn't in that kind of form. You know, he, he wasn't given the license to play like he has been this season. If we went down and, and then had Timu up top, Cantwell in behind, um, you know, and then a couple of other smart additions. And I think attitudinally, Emmy's Emmy isn't going to be in the right headspace for another season in the championship. I just think, you know, he looks every inch a Premier League player now. If we went down, I, th- I think his head would be gone. He'd psychologically oh, you, he'd check out. Bring, you're bringing you're bringing in quite a few factors now, though. Like, well, yeah. yeah, but they're all logical. <laughs> if you look at like team, the other thing about Team Ipuki is. Um, uh, it's, it's just worth taking a, a, a second every now and again to to look at the stats of Timo Puki. He's made 66 appearances for Norwich City and scored 40 goals. That is stupid. Like that is silly. 
like unbelievable return on investment. Um, I mean, obviously not including the investment of it being free, but you know that that like like you say, punt. That is a once in a decade style stat line. You know, you have to go back to Holt. You have to go back before that to well, I don't think Ewan's anything anywhere near as good as as, as either Pookie or Holt. You know, you you don't get those kind of quality strikers very often. Um, and and I and I think the point was made in the last pod that you know he he isn't by Dan O'Hagan I think he, he's not likely to be tempted with huge offers because he's getting on a bit and there is the oh is he going to do it a third season in a row um, and I I don't know I I think that I just really like him and I really like Campwell and I think attitudinally and for the culture that we want. You know, with you know, Max and Ben are more likely to be players who see themselves now as Premier League players, and 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 I would actually say Max and Ben are far more likely to be unhappy in the Championship than Emmy, personally, from what I've seen on the pitch. I mean, Emmy's cross all the time anyway. He's like a three-year-old when he doesn't get his way, like you know. And so I feel like he'll play like that whether he's in the back garden with his little toddler or whether he's in in the Champions League final. I think he'll always kind of hit the ground and moan at the ref. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, who who do I want to see in an orange shirt? Definitely next year. Out of that lot, I would use my magic tokens. Which this is a brilliant question, by the way. Um, I think it might on, be the best question we've ever had. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely wins. It's top so, three. You know, yeah, Patch underscore EJ needs to get in touch for a badge and some stickers. Yeah, we might as well just get that out of the way now. Next question. We want another one. Yeah, go Andrew on, one Kent. More. Andrew, well, we've only asked one, and I suppose Fionn's as well. Right. Andrew Kent on Twitter, your Farker for the rest of the season. What is the one thing you could change about the way we play and why? Let's start with you, Mr. Parsley. That's a really good question as well, actually. Um, the one thing I changed, well, that's, that's tricky because I don't know if he's got the ability to improve our defensive lapses. Yeah, but um, you're him now. You're yeah. him now, so you can do it. Go on, okay. believe in yourself. Okay. Well, well, well. I think that I think I would set the bar lower, and I would um, probably try and make more more evidential changes to game plan mid-game. And it may. I completely accept that he may be trying to do that in the second half, and they don't work, and that is why we don't notice them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would be. I if I was Farker, I would be trying to give us give a different proposition and a different set of challenges to my opposition. Uh, you know, either early in the second half or during the second half, when either Plan A isn't working or basically any time we don't have a two goal cushion, I would make sure I've got something seriously different tactically and. And if that includes stylistically, I would be looking into that, and I would be diving heavily into analytics to try and support support that during this window. Which I've got no doubt they're trying to do these things, but is it, if they are, it doesn't seem to be working. So I would do that. I would try and do that better than he seems to be doing it. Anyone else? Anyone got anything? Lorne, go on. Well, I just I don't think that um, Tom's quite right in terms of changing it stylistically. I think the whole point of Farker is that he doesn't change it stylistically. He's got a style he believes in. And it's about tweaking that. So yeah, but I'm allowed to be him. So that's yeah. so therefore, if I'm allowed then, to be him, I, I can disagree with, with this one thing that he wants. Yeah, absolutely. But then you followed that up with, "I'm sure they're doing it." 
And I, sorry, the, the 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 bit about the transfer window. I'm sure they are looking analytically at you know what what is it that we're not doing that another player can bring us in. Like, that was the bit I meant. I'm sure they're doing. I wasn't trying to make out like there's no analytics department at the club and that they're not they're not using analytics and using um, sports science to bring in the right people to to further them. Um, but I do believe that stylistically he's got no interest in doing anything other than playing Farkball, and that's the thing that I would get over myself and and, and do if it meant we we got a few more points here and there. Adam, what are you going to do? Well, what, I, what, what are you doing, Lorne? I'm not doing anything. Right. Okay. I, yeah, I no, think Sarka is a better manager than I am. I'm, oh, well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, what's the point I, I would, of this podcast? Exactly. <laughs> he, he, literally, he literally asked the question. Like, you know, he or she, so I can't remember, asked the question. You know, I, I, I now, I've woken up in his in his position, so therefore I've got to try and do something. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would... Um, my, I have no doubt at all um, that my Norwich City team would not be anything like as attractive to watch as Daniel Farker's Norwich City team. Um, but he would win. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 not at all. No, no, I would have. It would like, make subs at half time. Is what he's saying. No, in, in the in the, context, in the context of that question, I would. I the one thing that I I think that we don't seem to have is is any effort to change our style and I, and I, and I, and, and you know, and, and that we've been very open in saying the only way, the only plan B is making plan A better. Well, you know, that's great if you're good enough, but I'm not sure we're good enough to do that at the moment. But, like I said earlier in the pod, I don't think we're too far away, but I do think that a lot of the issues stem from sort of a lack of confidence, really. Um, I think we need to play out from the back more positively than we're currently doing. And I think we did that earlier in the season, but those good performances we mentioned earlier, Newcastle, Manchester City, first half against Chelsea. If you look, you know, we are getting the ball from our own third of the pitch very quickly up to the other third of the pitch. Now, when we had all those injuries, I think that the confidence sat in our ability to be able to do that. And if you now look at the stats, um, I think we have a team at the moment who has the most possession in our own third of the pitch. And you can look at that in in different ways. But for me, I think it needs, I think it shows that we need to be a little bit braver on, on the ball. We need to try and, and get that ball. Um, we need to play more one touch passing out from the back. I, I think sometimes we can be a little bit sluggish compared to other teams. In, well, in to appeal to, to appeal to a put to punt, that is Vrancic. I mean, Vrancic is probably the best midfielder we have at playing through the lines in that way. You know, the, the, the receiving the ball from a Hanley or a Zimmerman, and suddenly it's around the corner ball to uh, yeah. to, to either Hernandez into the channel or Puki off the last last shoulder. That 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 is his kind of number one. Yeah, move, his isn't it? his performance against Manchester United really worried me, but I think performances either side of that. So, for example, the Spurs at home game. Um, and uh, and especially at the weekend against Burnley in the FA Cup. I was going to yeah, say he, he was man of the match would, according to a few. Yeah, I, I I would I think I would have him in my eleven for the majority of the games left left this season because I and also he's one of those players who can actually score goals from midfield mm-hmm. as well. Like it feels like we've always got a little bit more of a threat um, with him on the pitch, even even with free kicks and stuff. So. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they would be possibly be the two. Brantrich more often in the side, and 
yeah, a little bit more confident and braver playing out from back. Because I yeah. think we've lost that the first couple of months of the season. I think that's a brilliant point. And I think we've lost it even more so when Ben Godfrey hasn't been playing at centre-half. Um, because Zimmerman doesn't look confident enough to come out uh, you know, from the back and, and kind of play the, that kind of ball that Godfrey would be really good at just kind of fizzing it into the midfield or fizzing it into, you know, if it was Kenny McLean or Steepman. Godfrey's yeah. also pretty good at progressing the ball, isn't he? So mm. dribbling out yeah. from back. We don't really have anybody else who can do that um, as, as well as Godfrey does. Um, and, I, and I think that maybe Closer would have played quite a lot this season if, if, if he had been fit as well because he I think yeah, he's arguably one of our one of our best passers certainly at sort of long diagonals mm. and, and, and that kind of thing which which I think really would have helped and I think that's another point you know going back to what's gone wrong this season you know the the fact we haven't been able to change our for base formation um has also been an issue I I, I still think that if we'd had four six four fit center backs um, pretty much all season, like Sheffield United have, for example, you know, we would have been able to play 3-5-2 in some games. And, you know, that, that gives us a completely different look. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, th- I think just quite a lot's gone against us, really, so far this season. But Cool. cool. Can I ask you one got... more question? I was going to say, any more specifically? questions? Yeah, one more. This is from Phil Harris, and you must have expected we're going to ask you this, but... Could you please recreate your goal celebration at Reading in 2004? Which clearly leads well, me to ask, what was your goal celebration at Reading in 2004? Is that the well, one where it hit the referee's back and then it went to the goal line? Yeah, that, that's, that's the game, yeah. so But I'm not, I'm not really sure recreating my goal celebration on a podcast works. Um, right. Talk us uh, through Especially it. with my dodgy back. Um, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so those who don't remember, you know, that was the championship winning season under Worthington back in 2004. We'd beaten Wigan 2-0 on the Good Friday, and it really felt like a win over Reading um, would pretty much have us up. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't all done by then, but, you know, it, it was as good as. And it was a fairly uneventful game from what I can't remember because I probably had one or two drinks that day. And, uh, yeah, suddenly the ball hits the referee. Mulrine on the half volley, you know, goes into the top corner of the goal. Um, and, yeah, about 10 years of frustration watching Norwich home and away came out in the form <laughs> of me whipping my shirt off, rushing down the steps of the stands, swinging it above my head with my man boobs on show. So uh, <laughs> it, it was really my first taste of going viral, really, I think, uh, before going viral was even a thing. Um, as, when I, as, when I, as when I got out the, out, the, out the ground, my phone was just going mad with people who had uh, spotted me doing this on the CV. So, yeah. Was it the man boobs that gave it away? I, I think so. I, th- I, I recognise those. I think, I, think, I think they were a highlight for most people. It's time for the Long Come Norwich quiz. Adam, you've got a minute to answer six questions. Uh, Lorne, would you be kind enough to do the time for me? Absolutely. Um, you obviously can pass. You obviously can uh, keep going through them until you get as many right as, you pos- as possible. Um, I have made them exceptionally easy this week, so I'm expecting six out of six for everyone. 
Are they going to be as easy as last week where you no, told Dan O'Hagan the answer beforehand? They're easier in terms of questions, but I'm going to really am going to try not to give anyone the answers this week. Your time, Adam, starts now. Who got the assist of that famous last-minute Aguero goal against QPR? Balotelli. Correct. Who were Wimbledon playing when they hosted the lowest attendance game the Prem has ever seen? Uh, nice. Pass. Name the Dutch footballer who was voted European Player of the Century in 1999. Dutch footballer voted European Player of the Century. Johan Cruyff. Correct. What was Hull's former ground called? Bloom... 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 Bloom Ferry Park or Bloom Ferry Close Road? enough, I'll accept. Yeah. Uh, which Spanish coach took charge of Everton between June 2013 and May 2016? Roberto Martinez. Correct. Who holds the record for the most wins in a season? Which team? Premier League season. Most wins in a season. Chelsea? Incorrect. Um, who were Wimbledon playing when they hosted the lowest attendance the game game the Prem has ever seen? Time. Pass. Four out of six. Oh. Very, very strong. Does anyone know who Wimbledon were playing? Oh, Swindon. It was Everton. Really? Yeah. And uh, who holds the record for the most wins in a season with 32? 2017-18? Probably Man City. Ah, oh, Manchester City. City, yeah, obvious. Yeah. But four is very, very strong. Um, Punt, are you confident that you can compete with this? You've been yeah. doing very well this season. I'm going to try not to yeah. give you the answers. Uh, it was right. Booth Ferry Park, by the way, so you were very close with what you were saying. Um, I think that's what I did say in the end. Uh, right. <laughs> Lorne, are you ready with the time? I am. Punt, four to equalise, five to win or be winning. Your time starts now, who scored the first perfect hat-trick left-foot, right-foot header in the Premier League? Robbie Fowler. Incorrect. Who was Jose Mourinho's first signing at Chelsea? That, you're saying he's easy. Um, Joe Cole. Who started their, no, who started their <laughs> professional football career at Stuttgart Kickers, became captain of the German team and then head coach of the USA team? This is a fucking stitch-up. Um, Jürgen Klinsmann. Correct. What was Bolton's previous ground called? Um, Burnden Park. Correct. Which Englishman has managed Charlton, Crystal Palace and Hull in the Premier League? Um, Charlton, Crystal Palace and Hull. Nigel Atkins. Incorrect. Name one of the teams to win zero away games in a whole Premier League season. Uh, Norwich. Correct. Um, who scored the first perfect hat-trick in the Premier League? Cantona. Incorrect. Who was Jose Mourinho's first signing at Chelsea? Um, oh, Paolo Pereira. Correct. Who managed Charlton at Athletic? Four out of six. Not so Ooh. much of a stitch-up, was it? <laughs> that felt like it to start off with. The Klinsman question was pretty easy when he said USA yeah, yeah, team manager. Yeah, but it's when he said Stuttgart kickers, and then it, then like I was like, oh, oh no, USA, right. That was good, supposed to easy. be the thing. So you're starting out thinking, oh, what's he done here? And then actually it turns out to be easy. Okay, Wait, so... I'm continually thinking, what's he done here? Four out of six. Four out of six. Okay. So I need to time Lorne's one. So, Lorne, you need four to be to take part in the first tiebreaker that matters for a long time. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, we would have been doing it anyway. Uh, your time, Andrew Lorne, starts now. Which Man United player scored four goals in 12 minutes after coming on as a sub versus Nottingham Forest? Solskjaer. Correct. Who was the first Italian manager to win the Premier League? Um, that's a good question. Pass. Which player won the World Cup Young Player Award in 2018? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, what was Bristol Rovers' former ground called? Uh, Memorial Ground. 
Incorrect. Can you name the only Premier League manager in history to be born in Denmark? Only Premier League manager? No. <laughs> uh, which team went the most consecutive games without a win from the start of a season? Uh, Southampton. No. Um, who was the first Italian manager to win the Premier League? Angelotti. Correct. Uh, which player won the World Cup Player Award in 2018? Kylian Mbappe. Yes. Who was Bristol Rovers' former ground called? Ah, uh, sure, it's Memorial. Pass. Uh, Danish uh, Premier League manager. Time. Uh, right, let me check to see if you're right about uh, Bristol. <laughs> let me check. You've never done that ever. Well, no, because the thing is, I'm sure. I'm sure that it was Memorial Ground. What is it if not East, Eastville? Yeah, it is. It was Eastville. Yeah. They still play Memorial. They've got about two or three different ones. No, they they play at Memorial. They play at the Memorial Stadium now. And Bath City's around, didn't they, for a while? No, they they play at the Memorial Stadium now, Lorne. See, Bath City, I think, is Twerton Park. Yeah, Yeah, they played there for a few years, I think. That wasn't the question, though, was it? Yeah, well, let's call it. I got it right. (laughs) Can anyone tell me who... Come on, I do Bath City's ground. Who, who, I know loads of random shit. It doesn't mean that I get points. <laughs> um, who was the Swansea City Danish manager? Ooh. I still don't know. Michael Aldrup. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. Um, and QPR went uh, uh, an unbelievable uh, 23 games without a win from 18th of August to 8th of December in 2012. I mean, that's epically bad, isn't it? That's quite bad, yeah. Um, I think that was the record that Palace were on for, like when they then got rid of whoever it was the other day. Um, right, the uh, that was the Dutch guy, wasn't it? Who was it? Bicard, and yeah. they'd gone. I no, think no, seven, not seven games without a point. De Boer, wasn't it? No, De Boer. Boer yeah. Bicard, sorry, yeah, De Boer. Quite different. Um, right, so a t- this tiebreaker oh, really, really matters because it's between Punt and Brandon, and you know, if if you care about Twerking Park or whoever it was, um, right. Lorne. Um, so I'll come to you first, Lorne. Uh, the scum hold the joint record for the total defeats in a Premier League season. How many defeats did they suffer in that season? I want an exact number, and I cannot have higher or lower from you two either. So Lorne, this would have been a this would have been a forty-two game season, wouldn't it? It was so, ninety-four, ninety-five. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So uh, forty-two games. Thirty. Thirty. Did you say? Yeah. Okay. And coming to you, Mr. Brandon. 28. Oh, I was going to say 28. Be bold and go 29. That's really bold. Um, I'm going to go 31. You should have been bold. It's 29. Um, <laughs> uh, which, which basically is, is awkward because it means we've, in a way, got a tied. Um, oh, really. I was closer. I was closer than Trump. Adam was closer, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but I'm obviously keeping it twerking park for you, Lorne. Um, right, okay. I'll, uh, we'll... I'll hand over to Adam on that. He won. Okay. Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you so much. <laughs> thank great. you so much for your wall story. Thank you so much for your Chilean analysis um, and for being with us this evening. Um, uh, Lorne, thank you for your time. Hunt, thank you for you and also your wife's snooker sound effects. And for everyone listening, mind how you go.
got out of you've got to have a proper answer. Well, no, Adam just asked yeah. probably the best question we've ever had on this podcast, or I think you said it. He said, "What what's the point of this podcast if?" And then he just kind of stopped. And I was like, He's "Yeah, actually, there was no answer." That. He's not the first person to ask that, is he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, no. What I was going to say is, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't change too much.